Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This week on Movie Time, Jordan Peele's third movie, Nope, is hitting theaters, and Blake and I literally just watched it, so we cannot wait to talk about this movie. We will give our non-spoiler thoughts in the beginning of the video, then dive a little bit deeper into the movie as a whole. How does this rank with Jordan's first two movies? We are definitely going to talk about that, too. So sit back, relax. Let's enjoy some Movie Time talk starting now. What is going on, everybody? We got another week, so that means it's another episode of Movie Time. We got myself. Renee, Loki Geek here, and my boy Blake the Wolf. What's going on, dude? Renee, am I not excited to be here? Nope. I am very excited to be here. Yup. Yup. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I'm so high off of that nope movie experience. I'm I'm glad we're doing this. What's up, man? Yeah, no, I, I'm I too am excited about it. Um it, it's just again, it's like one of those moments that you just love when you just watch the movie and you just can't wait to talk about it right and this is definitely one of those movies um so this week uh obviously we're talking about jordan peele's third movie nope um that is hitting theaters now yep there it is i was waiting for that (laughs) so as what we always do yep Yep. Uh, we like to give our little thoughts and not like non-spoiler thoughts and feelings about the movie in the beginning of the video. And then we will prompt you when we're going to start going more into a deep dive as to stuff that we uh, found interesting about the movie. We're definitely going to go into some of our theories and probably themes that we feel that this movie covers. Because what Jordan Peele movie would there be if there wasn't anything like that, right? So definitely stay tuned to listen to our thoughts about all of that. If you are new to this channel, if you're new to this video, hello there. Welcome. Uh, You like it? Hit the like button. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell so that you can show your love and support for the channel and get notified every time a new video of ours gets uploaded if you are an audio listener you could find a low-key geek channel there on your podcast platform of choice where you could download this episode and many others also don't forget leave a rating when you get prompted because that definitely does help with the channel it doesn't cost you a thing it's free it's just words you could tell us that you hate us that you love us or whatever or you could just say nope or in yup over and over again actually Please yep. do that because yes. that means that you listen to this episode and that would be yes. fantastic. So yep. let us go. Di- let's let's just start talking about this movie. Um, it's uh, my initial thoughts about the movie is that it definitely is a different Jordan Peele movie, but not something that we have not seen from Jordan Peele previously, because I think we were talking about this offline 
it does definitely feel this is more of the Twilight Zone version of Jordan Peele. Um, yeah. It's the first time that on the on the bigger screen, he's diving more into kind of sci-fi and kind of more of that. Not I want to say not the blockbuster like type of action and thrill and suspense, but it's very comparable to some other movies like what we may have seen from Spielberg or or whatever the case oh, yeah. is. Um, I definitely got strong vibes um, from movies like Signs. Like there are a lot of moments in this movie where it felt like I was watching Signs, and there are a lot of um, uh, comparisons when Jordan Peele first came out that oh, is this going to be like the next M. Night Shyamalan? You know, and so in a way, it was kind of fitting that, oh, I felt like there were like moments of science in here. But for me overall, I felt like there was a lot of feelings of Jaws in this movie. Um, Mm. You know, Steven Spielberg's Jaws, I mean, in itself, when that movie came out, was considered to be a horror-like movie um, where you have this one menacing uh, threat and you have the obsession of the people trying to not only see this threat, but eventually take it down. And you definitely get a lot of that in this movie without spoiling anything right now. You see it in the trailer too. Like there is like this obsession with this event or this thing that's happening. Uh, so I definitely get a lot of feeling about that. Um, the This is probably one of Jordan's more beautiful looking movies. Uh, the cinematography is, is well done. The, the use of colors... The fact that a lot of the stuff that happens actually happens in the daylight during daytime, mm-hmm. that's something that we haven't gotten much from Jordan Peele in the past. Um, either it was indoors or always seems to be happening at night. Um, so for something that's considered to be like a horror movie, um, we don't really get to see a lot of that because in essence, that's what makes it more tent- like tense filled and you know it, it definitely makes you a little bit more you know gripping at the sea it's just like okay what's really going to happen now because we're in the daylight where it's supposed to be safe but certain things are definitely happening there um but uh the score in itself is great we'll talk about his use of uh turning certain songs into uh scary moments because uh, there's definitely this a uh, one song in this movie that he did that too uh but the acting, the acting in this movie is phenomenal. Wow. Kiki Palmer, huge breakout here in this movie. I mean, wow. she's been around for a while, for a minute, but I think a lot of people in general might not even know her work, her past work and all that. This will definitely bring her into more of the forefront. And her chemistry with uh, Daniel Kaluuya, it was just brilliant, just really, really well done. And Steve, Steven Yuen, I mean, he is just, we were talking about this too offline. Not anything that he's done, it's it's never been a bad thing. It's always been good. Yeah. He's always put on a huge effort, and he really, really does a great job in this movie as a whole. So um, I really, really enjoyed this movie, if you couldn't tell already by now. Um, this is definitely, um, some people are saying, like, this is his best movie. I would say... This is, if not on par with Get Out, probably just within, you know, it's definitely a conversation as to which is his better movie, this or Get Out. I'm not saying Us was that bad, but Us was definitely a different type of movie. Um, And I think a lot of people in general didn't think Us was as equal to Get Out as far as uh, movie quality. But 
Blake, what are your initial thoughts uh, and feelings about this movie? Dude, I love this movie. I agree with what you said earlier. It's one of those movies which is too rare where you leave going, I can't wait to talk about this movie. Where I was like hyped about it. I was Googling stuff about it. I was trying to like think through theories about it. Um, so I'm glad we're doing this. This is the first conversation I'm having about this movie. Mm-hmm. But I definitely was like taking some notes in my head and like putting together theories during it. Um, so it's definitely that kind of movie. I, I know we'll get to spoilers later, but for now, my overall thoughts, um, it, it was an, it might be my favorite Jordan Peele. I have to let it sit for a minute because Get Out was so damn special. Yeah. I'm um, talking about In My Shyamalan. Like, if people are going in, probably part of the problem with that is expectations game in these genres can be really mm-hmm. tricky. And when In My Shyamalan's whole deal was, what's the twist? And even movies that he didn't even try to put a twist in there, or if he did, it was, you know, that messed up a lot of people's expectations for all his movies. I think this was a great next step for Jordan Peele to make his movies kind of like expand what he's able to do, tell a new kind of story, but it was still just as compelling, more cinematic, and the messages were still there for sure. I'll get into that. It'll be probably close to the end. We're all just like, after we get to talk about it, I get to put some of this together more, but I have like a grand theory on what this movie's about. Uh, But for now, I loved how cinematic it was. I, the, they're using IMAX cameras for this one. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's using um, a cinematographer that worked with Chris Nolan with that stuff with Interstellar and Dunkirk. And there were, it looked so damn good. I liked what you mentioned about the daylight of it. Mm -hmm. Um, that having a horror movie set out in an open field in the sun was cool. Um, and I'm going to say horror, like it touches on a few genres. And if you're going in only for like jump scare, freak out stuff, I, I might just like, in general, my warning to anybody would be definitely go see it, but maybe just throw your expectations, turn them as low as you can on, on any aspect of what you're hyped about it. It doesn't have as much political messaging um, as as Get Out did. It might not be as horror-filled as, like, the trailer made it seem. I think it had less than Us, the Jordan Peele movie, than Us did in that way. Um, but overall, as far as, like, everything that makes a movie a movie, not just was it a successful telling of a story the way that Get Out was so damn successful. Get Out was more zeitgeisty and hit the culture in such a way that people were talking about it for months and mm-hmm. anytime it comes up, like it hit people a certain way. I don't know if this movie will have that effect necessarily. I do strongly feel like this is maybe a more well-rounded movie that audiences might appreciate more just for the movie of it, not necessarily the moment that it hit the, the culture. But like I said, there is still some messaging there and we'll get to that a little bit later. I think the only other thing, if I'm talking to somebody about recommending this movie, the question I always have with movies like this is like, how scary was it? Um, Even before I saw Get Out, for example, there was a website that did like a, it puts it on a a scary scale from like Jurassic Park being on the lower (laughs) end to just the most like, um, whatever, Blair Witch Project or Saw or whatever. Like, where is it on that scale? This one is on the lower end to me for sure. If you're a chicken shit like I am and terrified of horror movies, I, I felt cool throughout it. There was a couple tense moments that uh, weren't so bad. And I and, I, and knowing that you're in a capable hands of Jordan mm-hmm. Peele, that it's worth it and that there will be, uh, that 
the, even if that does make you like squeamish that it's worth sitting through, definitely. Uh, I, I, I think you'd have to have a really weak stomach to be like, I no fuck it. I won't see this movie no matter what. So right. if that's your concern, I would, I would go see it overall, like review. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I, I gave it five stars on my letterbox out of five, just straight up. Nice. In theory, yeah. we could talk about it. It might drop to like a four, four and a half. But right mm-hmm. now, and I think in general, it's it's basically a perfect movie in all the ways that you can rank uh, a big movie like this. Um, I think the only other thing that might throw somebody off is like what your movie theater experience is like. Sometimes like a, a horror movie, especially if there's people yelling behind you and the whole audience gets into it. It didn't feel like that kind of movie to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like there was, however, buy-in from my audience. It was probably, I saw it showing like right after work ended. So it, it, it was surprisingly full for that. It was probably about half full, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, a small theater um, in, in Midtown Manhattan. And the audience definitely bought in. Like, I'm going to go see the new Jordan Peele movie as soon as I get off work type of audience. There was yeah. a little bit of audience, re- like, uh, interaction slash reaction, like what's happening on the screen in real time where somebody's like, yelling or laughing and they get the jokes and when there's a microaggression or a white person saying something just real embarrassing like they're <laughs> laughing at that or the way that right. you'll react to a scene there definitely was appreciated by this audience and that was cool so i might go see it earlier on uh with that kind of crowd if you can mm-hmm. overall though it's such a quality movie it doesn't necessarily need that necessarily mm-hmm. um i also know that some people were talking about like their experience seeing get out uh, and I was one of where it was a very tense moment leaving the theater. And I remember Django Unchained was another movie where I had that, where like, I'm just kind of like looking around, like, do I apologize? Like people are looking at me kind of like, uh, fuck, this is, it, it's, it's such like those movies were so charged. Yeah. Uh, this one definitely doesn't have that nearly to the same degree at all. So in general, um, I would definitely go see this sooner rather than later, but whenever you get a chance to see it, definitely, um, I'm glad I I'm glad I saw I had that theater experience though. What was uh what was your theater like and what was your like real time gut reaction? I mean, like uh I'll go into theater experience. I mean, my theater wasn't that packed at all. Um I did see it at a, at 4 p.m. today. Uh okay. so and especially here in Queens, people haven't really come back from work yet, right? So Right. Um it was interesting though because it was mostly quiet. Um, I would I would say like maybe there's roughly around fifteen to twenty people in the theater uh, in total, um, but it was mostly quiet. I had a guy sitting next to me though that laughed a lot. He snickered a lot at stuff that I didn't even think was particularly funny. So yeah, so I'm not exactly sure what humor he found behind it, or if it's more irony. Maybe he was laughing at certain things. Um, I think we both reacted to a funny scene at the same time twice, right? But other times, like, he was just snickering and and laughing at stuff that I was like, why is that funny? That's basically what I was thinking. Like, I'm trying to, like, figure it out, right? Um, But my, I mean, my initial gut, it's it's good to talk about, like, expectations, right? Because another, you know, another thing to point out, too, is, like, when I say that this is not a typical Jordan Peele movie based off of the other two that we got, is that, there isn't really a huge or major twist per se in this movie. Um, everything has been pretty much explained straightforward. As long as you're just watching and paying attention, you don't really have to guess or speculate or anything like that. Everything that transpires on screen 
is pretty much explained and you know you're told as an audience this is exactly what's happening so there's no like middle ground there's no ambiguity there's no like oh but what really did happen or what is really the meaning there you know like us was all over the place with that stuff you know even even years later people were still wondering okay but why were they there why this was that and what happened at the end you know and then get out it it was just more like okay it was filled with a lot of messaging and kind of like you know touching on a lot of social aspects that's happening in the world and everything this is just very straightforward now can someone sit back and be like wait a minute i think they're referring to this or i think they're talking about this and maybe this is in reference to blah 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 100 percent. like i said it wouldn't be a jordan peele movie if there wasn't any of that but if for uh, a typical audience uh member a movie going person who is not that conspiracy theorist or anything like that they're just going to enjoy it for what they got you know and that's why i said this is definitely more of a cinematic blockbuster type of movie of his um that is like an homage to the spielbergs and maybe early you know Shyamalan and all that stuff like that um and it was great i mean i was really enjoying a lot of it um you know that like i said the chemistry and the dialogues between uh you know uh daniel and, and kiki were just so good like you really felt that they were indeed truly brother and sister there um and you know and going back to the whole thing like expectations as far as horror is concerned this is definitely not in my opinion a typical horror movie you know it's definitely more suspenseful more mystery in a way um and a lot of thrills in there there are like maybe two main scenes or two main things that happen in this movie that probably would be considered to be horrific um, and right. if you stay tuned to the spoiler section, we will talk about those because that actually does have some pretty good meaning in, in this movie. Um, but other than that, if you were to somehow take those parts out, there's really not much of a horror feel in this movie, you know, with, unless you compare it to categorizing Jaws as a horror movie, right? With the exception right. of, you know, not seeing Jaws eat people, right? Like if if they didn't show Jaws eating people, then some would think like, is this really like a horror movie, you know, or is this, you know, whatever the case is. So take that with a grain of salt, you know, and take that into consideration where, when you're going to go watch this movie, if you haven't done so yet. Um, But that being said, I mean, I think it was a brilliantly edited movie. It was the story itself is so well written. Um, The dialogue, the characters, um, very well thought out. And just in the overall experience was just really, really, fun and entertaining for me um and like i said it's definitely one of those movies that you could choose to talk about it and really start dissecting all the hidden meanings in there but it's not really truly necessary um you know if you if that's not something that you are willing or wanting to do um so uh yeah if i was to give this a rating i definitely probably would give it a four and a half four and a half stars there um you know i I think I, I back in the day, I think I did rate Get Out five stars um, and I gave us three and a half or maybe four. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that will be a good question, um, a good thing to actually talk about now. Where would you rate this really within now? We're only talking about three movies right now. So where would this rate? 
where would this land in so far in the library of Jordan Peele? I am putting it right now as number one. Okay. I have our, so, and I also, we can throw in what you mentioned earlier, Twilight Zone, how this is kind yeah. of in that realm of his. Mm-hmm. I, I was binging it earlier. I think that was successful. Some episodes more than others. I'm going to put that like at the bottom. Um, but it's also in, in, in a way like it doesn't really count. So on the three movies, us is at the bottom for sure. Yeah. I'm going to put the middle get out close second, like close, close to this movie. Mm-hmm. Get out is more special in certain ways right. and maybe more impactful mm-hmm. overall. But um, as far as just quality of movie, this one to me takes the cake for sure. Like it's not even close. It felt yeah. like when I look back at get out, like get out was more of a made for TV kind of movie, which it's not at all. I'm not trying to say it is, but it was like so much. The scale was so different. Yeah. Whereas this one was so damn cinematic. Yeah. And if you're considering like a Spielberg type of movie to be like the, the apex of what movies Hollywood cinema can be, this was right up there with any of the classics in my mind. So I'm putting it number one for right now. No. Okay. No, Hey, I, I don't, I have no argument for that because I think right now it definitely is above us for me. Uh, whether or yeah. not it replaces Get Out in the number one spot, I I don't know I can if I can honestly say that just yet. Um, because like okay. you said, Get Out was very special when that came out. Special. And we, we haven't seen uh, storytelling like that prior to that, you know, like and just yep. the use of the genre plus, you know, incorporating the social messaging and the political aspect and all that, like it was just such a great marriage there, you know, and it worked out really well where, and I, I think I said this before when I, when I was talking about the new Candyman, it, it wasn't something that was thrown in your face over and over and over again. It was very subtle, you know, and if you paid yeah. close enough attention to it, you picked it up. Right. And it leads to more conversations like after you've watched it. Right. Um, where Candyman was just like, da da, in your face, in your face, in your face. I'm like, okay, we get it. You know, in your face, in your face, in your face, like that. And I think that's one of Jordan Peele's like strongest things that when he writes a story, of course, he's gonna incorporate a lot of his feelings and and and, and the way he kind of uh, views uh, society and politics and entertainment and all that. And he's gonna use that to kind of formulate a story that will play on those themes. Um, and show it in a light that, in essence, could be horrific, right? And that's why a lot of people would consider his movies to be in, in the horror genre and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. It is definitely one of his more cinematic... It makes me really excited to see what he's going to do after this yeah. because his his game picked up big time with this movie as far as the cinematic aspect of it, um, the use of you know, special effects, which in this movie seems very simple, but it's very effective, like, like, like very, very well um, affected and all that. And I do love the fact that, you know, in a lot of the scenes, you don't always see the full 100% picture of what's happening, you know? So in a way that kind of leads to your imagination or at least just like, God, I could only imagine what that person's seeing right now. I can't see it. But the way that they're reacting to it, it, it's just like, wow, that is just phenomenal. So um, and this is probably one of the reasons why. And I don't know, maybe some people will get at me for this. But 
I do feel like Jordan Peele right now could possibly be considered to be our modern day Alfred Hitchcock. Um, mm -hmm. just because of his storytelling, the way he puts things on the camera, um, and the way this, the, the stories do touch on more important themes and, and, um, issues that's happening in the world today. So, um, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I think that it was, could he be the Shyamalan and like, he was paving his own way to, after Get Out, it wasn't clear like how you would ever top that. It was what yeah. it was like. I feel bad for anyone who has to make a follow up to that movie. Yeah. Um, I think that that Hitchcock is the level he's at now for yeah. sure. When with that level of comparison, um, you're talking about the where you can't quite it, you don't know what's happening outside of the screen, and the characters don't either. And yeah. I, I'm trying to remember if it was it was something people talk about with the movie Cloverfield, and I think it was called Monster mm. in a Box. Mm -hmm. uh, is like a, a way to tell a story where you are only seeing the uh, certain perspective and you know that there's something out there and right. by not showing it, it makes it scarier. They eventually yeah. do show that actually I'm realizing we might be getting closer to spoilers, but they, they show certain things yeah. um, that he did a really great job with that problem, especially for movies that are in this genre, because that can be something tricky that can ruin a movie, um, which I think some people say signs that ruined it for them. Um, otherwise, as far as the, I, I, I was thinking about Get Out and how it's not the first woke horror movie, but it's the first one like in woke era and that using the song, the Childish Campino song, the Stay Woke song, like yeah. for this current era, it paved, it, it opened up that to where Hollywood, which they've done with so many things over time, they go, oh, that mm -hmm. can make us a lot of money. Let's uh, do a bunch of those. I was looking up like the list of like top rated woke horror movies um, on IMDb. And it's like uh, the first three are Jordan Peele and everything, everything else is everybody after that. Um, yeah. And there's so many of those to where now, like this summer, we're going to see bodies, 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 the right. Pete Davidson movie. that looks like a campy mm -hmm. high school woke horror movie. And that, I feel like that genre got watered down so damn quickly. I'm glad that, that the man stepped out of that box Mm -hmm. And is doing something because there's definitely still like there's commentary on microaggressions for sure. There's definitely commentary. Jordan Peele talked about how he wants to make movies for black people. And there's yeah. definitely commentaries on what it would like, what it's like for these characters in this country. He's definitely not shying away from that or selling out by any means. Mm -hmm. But this movie definitely transcends that genre that he essentially, like at least for this modern era, created. Yeah. Um, so uh, I. It, get out on is it's, it's it's so important but right now like i'm i'm hyped about this movie for sure no that's awesome and, and again another reason why i couldn't wait to talk about it you know uh especially with you so and talk to you know about it with all of you guys so again um let us know what were your thoughts about the movie have you had a chance to see it yet have you thought about seeing it and then maybe after listening to us ramble on about it, is it now something you're looking forward to? Let us know in the comments and let us know your thoughts about the movie. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far, but before we continue, I wanted to quickly talk about Bulletproof Coffee. Bulletproof Coffee is my favorite coffee of choice to start off my mornings with. Why? Because it's clean coffee. What does that mean? Well, one, 
There are no chemicals in it. Why? Because they go through this multi-step process of making sure that all of their beans are fully clean and free of any chemicals so that when you get the beans delivered to you, it is the pure beans, the pure coffee, the goodness that you've been wanting, the taste, the flavor, and the nutritional value as well without worrying about any added chemicals or anything else put into the mix there. Um, it also doesn't have that weird acidic taste that some coffees give you. I don't know how about you, but for me, some coffees kind of give me that weird sensation in my stomach, makes me a little burpy, and it kind of drags me down a little bit instead of really waking me up, uh, which is something that I need for my coffee every day. Bulletproof also offers a lot of keto-friendly snacks and supplements. Anything that you need to kind of add to your everyday nutritional needs, add to your diet, and make you and pretty much transforms the way you feel uh, every day. So, uh, for a limited time, if you use this code on that you see on the screen right now, low key geek, all caps, one word, you can get fifteen percent off your order. So what? What is it better than that, right? Check out the link in the description of this episode. Use this code, get yourself your discount, and make your mornings a little bit more bulletproof with Bulletproof Coffee. Now, back to the episode. As we now approach spoiler territory. So again, we are warning you, if you do not want to be spoiled for this movie at all, stop watching bookmark this, come back to this video later, or if you just don't care and you just want to hear us continue gushing over this latest opus from Jordan Peele, stick around. Let's have a um, listen to us have another fun conversation about some of the more details about the movie. And like I said, we're definitely going to go into some of the themes and kind of uh, theories uh, as far as the messaging and what maybe Jordan is trying to say in this movie. So um, that being said, Last warning, five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. So, I'm gonna start off. Let's. I think right now, let's start off about some of the ma- the parts of the movie that we enjoyed the most. Um, so, sure. for me, I love again, like I said, um, very reminiscent to Jaws. How there is this hidden threat, and based off of the trailers, especially the more recent one we have that feeling that, oh, this is a UFO, right? Oh, it's aliens and this and that. And I love how he really plays on that. But then you come to realize later on that it is something a little bit more than that. It's something a little bit different than that. Um, And the fact that, yes, we are dealing with an alien presence here. It's not the main real focus, really, as to the overall story. Right. Because, yes, it's a threat to the characters and it's a threat to the town. And unfortunately, a lot of lives were paid, you know, at the hands of this, you know, giant creature that basically, as we as it turns out to be, it's not a ship, but it is actually a living organism. It's a it's a living being that loves eating people. Um, But it's because it's doing so because it's feels threatened. Right. And I think one of the the first themes and we won't go so deep into this now, but something that they kind of mention in the movie is kind of animal behavior, human behavior. Right. When someone keeps staring at you, how do you feel like you may at times feel threatened, just like animals do. Uh, They make a reference when it comes to uh, horses. You know, if you look a horse in the eye, sometimes it might feel threatened. If you look at, at you know, an, a lion in the eye, maybe it might come in and, atta- and attack you. 
Um, and you get a certain hint of that immediately in the beginning of the movie when they reference an incident that happened on a TV show uh, that used an orangutan as one of the main characters and something sets the animal off. And unfortunately, certain people got decimated <laughs> uh, by the hands of this of this poor animal that just basically was acting like an animal. Um, they make a reference to Siegfried and Roy about how, you know, one of their tigers like, you know, attacked one of them. And unfortunately, he was like he suffered major injuries and all that. But it definitely like played a lot on animal instinct, animal behavior and and threats that animal feel and all that. Um, once they've realized that what you know what they're dealing with, now it becomes this hunt, this big hunt to, for them, one catch it on camera, right? Because again, we are in Hollywood, and these are Hollywood folk and people who've worked in the industry, so they want to document it for sure. But then, how are they gonna put either put an end to it or make sure that it just stops doing what it's doing? And you know, in a very Jaws-like way. Um, you know, they they have to do this bunch of stuff and, and to hunt and, and lure it and all that stuff like that. There's even what I would call a quint moment where there's one guy is just way too obsessed with documenting the, the creature, getting as close as possible to the creature, and unfortunately suffers uh his his fate at the hands of the creature there, uh, just so he could get a closer shot of it um up close and personal. But that was that was definitely some of the moments in the movie that I really enjoyed a lot. Um, here, there's a lot of other things too, um, but I think a lot of a lot of those things will be better fit for more of like the themes and the theories uh, within this movie. But what for you? What were some? Oh, and before I even go into that, this is a straight up homage to Hollywood in more than one way. You know, it's just like. You're dealing with former actors, you know, you're dealing and kind of the aftermath of that. You're dealing with the the industry and kind of how fair or unfair it could be to certain people, right, in certain organizations and everything. Um, and kind of the attitude that you have or personality that you develop being around this industry, right? So I, I, there's definitely a lot of that happening here. Um, so when in an interview, I think Jordan said that this is an homage to Hollywood. He didn't specify, but you could definitely tell that it's more than just one homage, um, you know, and it's definitely there's definitely an homage to filmmaking. Um, and, you know, it ties in very well to, with the cinematic feel of the movie. Um, so there's a homage to that homage to, again, like we've mentioned, Spielberg, Shyamalan, all that stuff. But I think there's also an homage to kind of the effects of being in the industry, whether it you being an actor or a filmmaker and things like that. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So for you, Blake, what are what were some of the moments that stood out for you that you really like? Yeah, on the Hollywood of it all, that's I think my main theory, like what this is about. And I most of my notes were just like, okay, this is a continuation of that theory. But uh, more generally, the, I. Uh, I'm thinking of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as far as the mm. ode to Hollywood and like retelling a story that's a real story kind of thing. Mm. Um, we, I love that when these characters are introduced um, and Daniel Kaluuya starts trying to tell the story, Kiki Palmer shows up late and she's telling the story of how her great-great-granddaddy yeah. was the first man on 
uh, the first movie um, and a um, ride, riding the horse, the jockey on that famous, you know, we used to have him in our, our museum growing up where he'd spin it and watch the horse ride. Um, the I didn't realize that it was a UFO movie until like recently, like the last week, because I was trying to avoid everything I could about it. Sure. Yeah. And then somebody mentioned, I was like, wait, it's a UFO movie. I thought it was honestly based on the trailer. I thought it was a movie about people being turned into horses, uh, which oh, maybe also, um, yeah, maybe I'm also scarred from sorry to bother you, uh, which <laughs> the Keith Stanfield, I don't remember who else was in that, but there was, I'm trying to think of anybody was in the same movie of, of both of them, but um, th- that, that movie <laughs> had that theme. And there was the, the woman who it turns out in this movie, she was Gordy. Yes. The primate had mutilated her, and that's why yes. she looked like that. And so yeah. I thought that, like, they were trying to do a horse thing there in the trailer. I'd misunderstood that, and I intentionally, yeah. like, avoided rewatching it. Um, it was definitely had the Western movie aspects on top of the tribute to Hollywood thing. So I think that's where I got some Once Upon a Time in Hollywood vibes from it. Sure. Um, we're also talking about other great directors, even from Spielberg. I think Close Encounters is probably the closest movie. I know Jaws makes sense on the animal thing. Right. On the alien thing, it's a very Close Encounters movie in my mind. I can um, see that. Yeah, for sure. To where it's like it's far away and you're kind of like seeing it closer and eventually like and there's like these signs of it and you're hearing noises that relate to it. That stuff was crucial where you're really just seeing like the impact of it of uh, of like, okay, when this thing shows up, a mystery happens and the power goes out and metal sometimes falls from the sky. What's going on? Um, they did a really good job of that. And to me, it was just as successful as Close Encounters was in that type of, of storytelling for, for um, outer space. Nope, not of planet Earth in OPE stuff. Um, another one is Arrival, Denise Villeneuve's movie, where oh, it gave me yeah. some of those feelings of this spectacle, of this thing in the air that everyone's like, can't help but stare up at. And obsess right. over that was uh and and then also it's not really that similar but there's something nightmare alley about it um if i'm gonna bring in another director it's like there's the freak show aspect of it yep. the the carnival hollywood aspect yep. of it the, there's also like the whole steve Yoon universe the yep. steve universe that was clever um, <laughs> the, the universe where he's a he's a hollywood child actor who has a shrine to his past and he has this whole world that he's created that's very carnival-esque yeah. um, that ends up being like very important to the movie. I heard the only podcast I'd heard that, that had come out when I'd seen this, they were talking about like they didn't understand that whole subplot. And to me, it made total sense looking oh, back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that aspect of it gave, it gave me those vibes to a degree. Um, Jordan Peele's in great company with those directors that were named oh, right my now. Goodness. Shyamalan, Signs yeah. and Shyamalan is the, what, Spielberg. Denise Villeneuve, um, Guillermo del Toro, like he's unquestionable. Like I think after us, there was some question of, okay, was Get Out more of a fluke? Did us get some of that like reciprocal love of people? Get Out was so special. And then maybe if he did that again, like where it was a lower tier movie, like, okay, that maybe he becomes a one hit wonder kind of guy. Twilight Zone wasn't that successful. No, this one to me was like, no proof. This dude's got it. Um, the, I think the other thing worth mentioning on it, just the whole animal aspect of it, is my. I think my favorite scene, which rewatching it, I'm sure like more things would pop out. But there's a moment where Daniel Kaluuya's character is saving Kiki Palmer's character's life 
where she has to start up this motorcycle to get out of there. And he has to peel, no pun intended, Jordan Peel. He has to peel the, this, the creature away. Yeah. And he's treating it like a horse that he's yep. taming mm-hmm. and is staring at it, which you know he's not supposed to do. And then like yep. the way that they walk that line and they're doing the whole setup of going through like uh, bulls, if you show red, then that'll make them want to attack. And certain animals, um, if you make eye contact with them, that'll make them want to attack. The horse was one. Um, that was a, a big scene earlier in the in the movie. Yep, that was really cool watching them set that up. I think that's my favorite thing, and maybe it's just how I'm like logistics minded or something. But like seeing them create that, and then it all come to a head in that very tense moment, yeah. and then having to like that was that was amazing, and I was fully sucked into the movie at that point, as if I was about to get sucked into that that creature's belly. I'm just like couldn't help but staring up at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only the other thing that I didn't get into enough earlier, which which you you got into, was like, goddamn, Kiki Palmer, oh. fucking crushed that. I know it's the one oh, everybody's going to talk about the standout performance. It was so fucking special. I know that Lupita Nyong'o gave a great performance in Us. Well, I didn't find that movie to be fully successful overall. Her performance was unbelievable, and yeah. she got completely jilted by the Oscars that year. Everyone knew it and was talking about it afterward. I hope that this year they rectify that mistake. And I, right now I'd have to like come up with a fake ballot based on what we have so far. We haven't had the end of the year push, but right now if she's not a nominee, damn. And I, I could see her winning this for sure without knowing who mm-hmm. she stacked up against. That character was special. Yeah. Daniel Kaluuya did a great job. And we were talking before, like, okay, he's the protagonist. He's probably the character that the movie revolves around the most in certain ways, but he's also the one who's most reliable to where it's only him and the dad, and the dad asks, where's your sister? Daniel Kaluuya is the first one on the set where Kiki Palmer shows up late. That's part of her character's whole, um, what, like the je ne sais quoi, or like the, like the, yeah. the charisma of her. Mm-hmm. Um, that energy she had was unbelievable. So Daniel Kaluuya's character is very quiet and subtle. And he has a, one moment where he's punching the steering wheel and some really great intensity, which he's great at. We've seen Daniel Kaluuya give literal Oscar-winning performances. And Get Out is another one where he was nominated for that one but didn't win. Uh, but he ends up, he wins later for, for Judas and the Black Messiah. But damn, he's, he's good and powerful. And he's stewing his character the whole time. And there's stuff bubbling underneath. He does a good job of that grief after his father passes early in the movie. But Kiki Palmer has to have about a thousand times more lines than his character does because she's talky and damn, she's good at it. There, it felt, it didn't feel like I'm watching an actor trying to play in a Jordan Peele movie or trying mm-hmm. to play a sister. Like they were brother and sister and she was that character. That was incredible to see. We talked about it. Steve Yoon's got a thousand batting average. I've never seen that dude miss a single yeah. pitch that comes his way. Totally. He is spotless yeah. in his career. Um, but those were very special. I think all the rest of the performances were either solid or, um, like, you know, mentionable, like nobody, nobody messed up their assignment by any means, but Mm -hmm. those assignments in particular were special. The other one, which we're just doing some like quick internet research right before I didn't notice, but the dude who played, um, Gordy, uh, which I don't know to what degree it's CGI, real animal or a man in a suit, but the dude who played Gordy. Um, is also did Avatar, Planet of the Apes, Hobbit, yeah. it's Terry Notary. And he had another movie where he was a man, like uh, it was 
I don't even know. It was called The Square. Uh, it was a, a foreign film where he plays a performance artist guy who does gorilla like um, performance art in a rich crowd and like throws a woman's chair down and like smashes her food. And I remember his face. So when I saw like the cast, I was like, how do I know who that dude is? Yeah. He's really good at that. So that was another one. Like I didn't even realize the cast went that deep where they took that casting assignment very seriously. Um, I think the only other thing I would get into, uh, which we can do when we're talking about theory, but the Gordy aspect and the Steve Yoon, sure. that TV show, that scene in particular mm-hmm. was so captivating. Yeah. It attributes to the overall message about Hollywood um, and people's obsession with, with fame, attention, narcissism, etc. But um, I really like that plot that was most of the movie is set on that same farm. Mm-hmm. And most of the rest of it set just down the street at Steve Yoon's character's ranch. There's only um, one other time where we're at the production studio at the beginning of the movie. Right. Or the production studio where uh, Gordy, the, the kid's show, is being filmed. Mm. I think those are the only locations we have. Yeah. Um, so I was happy to get off the ranch uh, of, the, of Daniel Kaluuya's ranch. And uh, get, any time spent outside of there was really fun. And it got to provide some relief um, anytime Steve Yoon's character showed up. So uh, those were, I think, those were my favorite parts. And those are some of the reasons why I love this movie so much. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, great points. And and to go back on, like, w- the locations and all that, I think one thing that uh, Jordan Peele does really well is not having his characters go to too many places because you still want to build that tension, right, as to their centralized location. In Get Out, everything mainly took place in the house of the parents, right, where all that stuff kind of, like, happened. In Us, it took place on this kind of, like, beach vacation, you know, city where all this stuff happened, and and mainly, like, on the Santa Monica, like, uh, Santa Cruz, right, on the beach there, right? Here, you have, and it's a huge mass land area. You have the ranch, and you have Steven Yoon's characters, like little circus carnival theme park thing. But that's it, right? But still, you're dealing with a mass, you know, a, a huge landmass that anything can happen. And most of it is open space. So this time, we're not in a box. We're not in, like, a, a closed area. And you, like what we mentioned before, you're dealing with daylight and nighttime, you know, um, and things do happen during each. So it's one of those things where you never know what's going to happen at any given time. Right. And, and I feel like you feel like the characters in the movie where you're just like, you're always on edge. It's okay. What's happening. What's all that stuff that's going to, you know, come down and, and everything like that. Um, to go back more on like some of the, the cool things about the movie. Um, I really, re- so we're talking about like two of the the major kind of horrific parts of this movie, you know, talk, when we're talking about it being like a horror movie, or you know, in within the horror genre, obviously we already brought it up when the Gordy uh, character, the orangutan, loses his shit and because uh, because of the pop of a balloon, um, and basically goes bananas, no pun intended. Um, and attacks nope. one of the characters nope. and then later on attacks another character who's trying to just escape and everything. And it's just bloodshed all over the place. And you see this monkey, this this orangutan, bloody mouth, hands, all that stuff. Because, Yo. like you said, mutilated this actress. 
you know, and, and then sees the the young Steven Yoon character, but who's who's the main character in I guess the entire show, right? Or they have this. We well, also fucks the dad up too in the, right. in yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, he like no one was safe in that scene, you know, and Yo. and poor Steven yeah. Yoon's like as a younger self is just looking at everything from under the table. Finally, Gordy sees him. And because of this bond that they have, kind of slowly snaps out of it and be like, fist bump, which was like a running thing where Steven Yeun's character says, like, this was the first fist bump explosion. Exploding fist bump? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, you're the one who invented that. Very nice. That that yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, it's so like chilling like that entire sequence you know and you only got a real small glimpse of it in the beginning of the movie but when they expanded on it during like a flashback moment it's so chilling and and very horrific right um with a very interesting end to it as well the other part is because this creature this alien ufo like creature like pretty much sucks things up and like kind of digest them and eats them he sometimes has to let go of certain things that don't really digest that well. And there's this one <laughs> there's one moment where he's on top of the, the ranch house where Daniel Kaluuya's character is and Kiki Palmer's character is and just decides to throw up. And it just rains blood during the whole, like this. It was like a good five minute sequence of just throwing up blood, throwing up um, discarded junk and more coins and 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 keys and all this stuff like that and it's just it's so very gory and that that's like as a lot outside of like the the gordy sequence that's probably like the other like main gory scene in this whole movie um but let's talk about the creature okay let's talk about the creature because i think the creature again not what a lot of people were expecting and i and i give kudos to the trailer for not giving a lot away they hint at a lot of different things and they do a lot of misdirects too, you know, where I think a lot of people were assuming like yourself, when you saw the the girl, the lady in the crowd with the messed up face that maybe she was an alien or maybe she was like uh, someone transforming into something. But it turns out that she was the actress who got mutilated by Gordy. Right. So there was like a lot, a lot of misdirects. And again, everyone thought this thing was a UFO. It turns out to be, a real li- living organism it, organism that's like you know sucking people up let's talk yeah. about like really the design of this creature and and kind yes. of like the the motivation as sort of speak which is kind of interesting because we are talking about it in hollywood terms um it acts like like an animal you know where the whole thing's like you're not allowed to look at it because it attacks people who stares at it right or basically like mm-hmm. eye contact um in the creature in itself looks like a floating eye, which is like very, very you know interesting and goes to another theory that um, probably one of my main theories that I have for this movie. Um, but then later in the movie, it actually opens itself up and kind of, I guess, evolves or reveals its true self in a way. And the design is just this very flowy, almost kind of beautiful looking alien. Um, angelic is, jellyfish right. these are the words that come to mind for sure yeah but if for something like that to create such destruction and harm and violence it's just so mm-hmm. it, it's like a nice little contrast there right um, and then I also love when it's in that angelic state 
when it shows its mouth or its whatever mm -hmm. it, it does to devour, how it's very reminiscent for me, like the inner workings of a camera. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if you picked up on that or not, but the that use of the green color, the use of the boxes, because it's like a box on top of a box right. on top of a box, kind of like a shutter, right? And yeah. like, you know, again, it goes to which I'm pretty sure one of your theories and speculations are in this movie about this movie is being under the spotlight, being under the, the public eye or an eye of several people and kind of the, the after effects and kind of the, the negatives and positives that could lead to someone in their life and maybe in their career in Hollywood. Um, so it's very interesting how that design in itself was very, I'm sure, uh, on point and very purposefully done that way um, to kind of portray this kind of theory or this kind of hidden message in there. So I did find that really interesting. Um, what, what did you like about the alien creature in itself and the, uh, how that was like kind of all revealed in the movie? Um, it was sexy as hell. That thing is ethereal <laughs> and gorgeous and floaty and it's majestic. Yeah. Um, I, I, we can get to the, the camera thing more later, but I think mm -hmm. the word captivating is very uh, applicable in both ways. It's literally, or like capturing, like it's literally capturing things yeah. and it's captivating to look at. It is like a mm -hmm. captive Vader, like however you want to use that word, but yeah. Um, I I loved it. So my question before I get into it, I, I did you think when they showed the the aliens as the humanoid looking creepy <laughs> creatures, did you think those were the aliens? Because I know I did, and and now looking back, I'm seeing like were they making fun of the movie Signs? Um, I totally fell for that. I totally fell Me for too. that. Yeah, because Bro. because again. Perfect M. Night Shyamalan moment, that whole sequence. Yep. Because, and yep. again, huge, like, perfect throwback to science. Where, yep. you know, Daniel's character is looking, like, at a certain area. And you don't even catch it immediately. And then one of these things just stands up. And it was there the whole time. And I, and I, I verbally was like, oh, shit. I went like that in the theater. Yep. Because I was like, no. <laughs> And then when it started slowly walking, then another one comes out from the side. And I was just like, oh, no. Like, it was really, really one of those moments. But then it turns out that they were just kids in costumes and all that. So um, definitely brilliant. got me. Got me fooled. Uh, but so brilliantly done. So brilliantly done. Because those were actors hired by Steve Yoon for his big alien right. reveal show, which is so weird in itself. Yeah. Um, there's probably some like extra meaning you could read into that of like the decoys and yeah. the way that the horse decoy, well, we can get into that later, but like false, mm -hmm. uh, um, like acting or something, um, uh, fakes of, of, of the real thing, mm -hmm. but the, the actual alien creature itself, I'm glad that those weren't it. My first thought is I go, Oh, that's creepy. Fuck. Did they just show the alien? Damn it. Signs. You're doing that thing again. Um, <laughs> Which I remember, I maybe I was just younger and more susceptible. Maybe I'm just chicken shit. But I, Signs was effective for me when that they showed the alien. I sure, go, ah! and like I freaked oh, yeah. out. A lot mm -hmm. of people were acting like it was corny as hell. And there is something weird. Like it's it's the debate in all of those type of movies. When do you show it? Yeah. When do you play that card? Yeah. And they did a good job of doing the fake reveal, and it turns out the real thing was so much different than that. If yeah. the real thing had just looked like that, or like there'll be the movies where 
Um, I'm thinking of Scream, where you see the mask person, and later on someone's wearing that mask thing. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I'm glad it wasn't anything like that. It was just so different. And then it also did a good job of the problem with alien movie stuff and aliens in Hollywood is why do we think aliens look like that? Why do we think they're like humans that are green with big old eyeballs? That's so silly. Of course, it's going to be something so damn weird that we're going to have a hard time even seeing it or knowing what it is we're looking at. The fact that it hides behind a cloud that doesn't move. Yeah. That scene got me. It was effective. And it wasn't like scary. It was just like, oh my God, that cloud's not moving. I didn't catch it. That was really clever. And the idea yeah. that like, we don't know what this thing's special powers are. Mm-hmm. We don't, we get, when we are inside of it or like getting a view up close, it's so close. We're mainly seeing people screaming and being sucked in. Yeah. And everything else is pretty damn far away. It's always through the perspective of the humans, which is a good job of that thing we're talking about where you don't get all of the angles of the monster, which mm-hmm. might make it creepier, scarier, but I think it's actually creepier to not know the ins and outs of this monster. And so instead I'm surprised every time I see it do anything different than what it's been doing. The aliens and signs, you know, they're about to move their left leg then the right leg then their left leg. This one, you didn't even know how to do moves. And so when it did like come up on you, it was scarier and they're having to literally, um, it feels kind of close encounters where you're, because like the main thing I I saw close encounters a couple years ago was the last time. But the main thing I'm remembering from that is they're building a big mound of just junk that looks like the place they're supposed to go mm-hmm. um, to go see the the alien spacecraft. Right. In this one, they're doing the what are those things called? The floaty air monster things. The, yeah, the wavy hand the guys. Cart, wavy hand yeah. guys. Yeah, they're setting those up all over, and the idea yeah. is they'll then know where the alien isn't based on which one of those are turned off because power goes down when those mm-hmm. things show up that was clever yeah um well also like it, had, it had like it had like two purposes so that like, that was one of them for sure but they also had eyes and faces on them right. too. Yes. so yes. it would be like a great detractor if they needed to yes. escape or something like that but it also caused headache for them because if they were too close to it they'll be caught yep. up in in the crazy whirlwind suck too so that was such a good way. And it's kind of like, and that's a Jaws thing also, right? Of like yeah. where the fin kind of thing, you're like, oh shit, it's mm-hmm. coming. And you only know it because of this small little symbol of that right. thing. Um, that was really, really well done. And so many of these movies, when they flop or get an eye roll from the audience, mm-hmm. it's because of how they handle those questions. How much do you show? How do you show a move? How realistic is it? Right. Uh, et cetera. It was a very imaginative one. I still don't, quite get it and i think that's good i think it'd be it'd be kind of sad if i left the movie going i understand that alien and like in signs where you just had to pour water on it and now it's dead like the idea of this thing coming back and them having like i i don't know the solution right if if there was another you had to start over there the weakness it was more like an evasive an evasion tactic than anything else of how they Mm -hmm. handled it and defeated it um until right the very end uh i guess we're doing spoilers but up until then like all of their problem solving is around just getting this thing from eating you up yeah um that was so compelling i think the this is where the movie is so cinematic um i guess we'll make another movie comparison now with ghostbusters with the big 
tire guy. There's yeah, a the moment where yeah. this giant, yeah, thank you. Uh, what was his name in Ghostbusters? Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Yes, thank you. I, yeah, I was thinking of the tire guy, the Michelin guy. No, yeah. <laughs> it, in this one, you have the giant floating alien and then a giant inflatable squirrel? Chipmunk? Oh, no, it was like a no, cowboy. No, it's it, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's a cartoon version of the character. Yeah. So cute. Going a little. Yeah, like thing. a little with the wink and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and they're floating together and it's eating that thing. And then. Mm. For whatever reason, digestion issues are this dude's weakness. Right. Because it's right. not used to eating up stuff from Earth. It's used to eating. Right. It needs horses and people, which sure makes sense. So this thing, which is kind of like a, we're going back now to the concept of like the kids in the alien costumes or the decoy mm-hmm. horse and how sometimes like someone faking it uh, can have power and can also be dis- so destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, where that's in, in what ends up killing it. And it explodes so beautifully. It I does. really like looking at yeah. this thing. Yeah, I think if I rewatch it, I'm going to pay particular attention to like staring at the thing. But mm-hmm. you would almost have to do like a lot of pause, play, pause, play because the right. way it moves is so unexpected. I never felt like I had a grasp on the creature um, for uh, at any point during that movie. Yeah. Well, another thing they did really well with the creature too is. Um, you never really at times knew how big it was because of the perspective, yeah. you know, because a lot of times in early, especially early on, you saw it at a, at a, in a distance. Right. And then, but then when it would like zoom in immediately, you see how massive this thing is. And it's just like, yeah. it's like, Whoa, like you didn't realize what they were dealing with. Right. And I felt like they did such a good job at kind of, not giving you the full perspective view so that when it does come to those moments, you're just like, whoa, this thing is like this huge menacing threat for sure. Um, it, it's, it, it, I guess in itself, that could be pretty horrifying, right? So to, again, to add to the horrific genre here, but I, I, at that's, this point, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, that's another aspect is the inability to capture on camera. That's another yeah. problem where these movies can go wrong is, okay, you this thing is now so big, it's in outer space. The whole world knows about it within a few minutes because it's on the yeah. news, Pacific mm-hmm. Rim style. And then this one, uh, or like Godzilla style. No, this one, part of its ma- majesty was its ability to hide. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that it was, that they, a huge focus of the movie was how do we capture this thing, not mm-hmm. physically, but on camera. Um And then anytime they did have any images, it was like, well, that's not good enough. That's going to look like some fake right. UFO shit. Right. Uh, and that was that was an ongoing theme up until the very last moments with mm-hmm. with Kiki Palmer's character trying to take that last picture. That was clever, yeah. which was also like very interesting too. Where you would think like if if this happened to you or I, the number one focus would be like how do we get away or how do we kill it? Right for them, their number one focus was well how are we going to capture it on camera to document it and all that. And that was like a huge huge thing, which again I think could go into. Uh, the next For section sure. and part where we're going to talk about themes and yes. kind of um, hidden messages and, and all that stuff like that. So, um, yes. so let's just do that right now. Cause that would be like a great, great time to, cause again, we've said it before. It wouldn't be a Jordan Peele movie if there wasn't stuff like this to talk about. So I'll just go first. Cause I don't have as much maybe as you, and I I'm actually dying to hear all of your, uh, theories and speculations about this movie and everything. But for me, again, I brought it up with the creature itself. Um, and I think that's kind of what 
really, really made me realize it at the end when it showed its true form. And, and again, it just was very reminiscent of a camera, like a shutter of a camera. And it reminded me when it when we go back to the opening credits, how we were inside of the of the creature without us even knowing that we were inside of the creature and how it was like this squared like hallway or tube. And at the end of the credits, you zoom into the old footage of the the jockey on the horse in the old timey footage and all that. So when I started putting all that together, I'm like, oh, this is a camera. It's a camera. It looks like an eye earlier on. So it's it's really a lot of focus on, you know, having eyes on you, having, you know, kind of like um, the public perception or, you know, especially since we're dealing with a lot of Hollywood people, people in the industry, former actors, this and that. Um, it's a lot of how do people deal with being under the spotlight? How does it affect someone growing up? How does it affect someone living their life, um, their positives and negatives? Um, and, you know, we, there have always been talks about paparazzi and, you know, public image and, you know, sometimes things don't go right and someone says something on, on social media and this and that. And then it becomes this huge blown out of proportion thing or it puts proper light on it because why is this person acting the way they are or saying the certain things that they say? Right. So I do feel like that was a huge theme. In, in this movie. Um, and I think it's done very brilliantly too. And it kind of planted the seed in there too. Like I said, in the beginning credits, but also because of the whole Gordy television show, you know, like kind of like how um, you, they are manipulating this, this uh, creature, this animal to be on this, on this show. And then things go wrong and how it affects the young Steven Yeun character and then how he grows up. And then now he's, you know, Typical former child actress can't get out of that certain time, even though this most horrific moment in his life happened. He turns it into this like grand um, accomplishment that he charges foreign visitors 50 grand to sleep there overnight and hang out with all the props and memorabilia from this show and all that stuff. And then, you know, in itself, <laughs> because uh, kind of like what he, they did with the with the orangutan. He tries to tame this alien creature that he already knew was around for his own benefit, for a spectacle, for a show. And how it just totally like, you know, spits it right back in his face and kind of like ruins all of that. So it's just very, very interesting how for me, that's like the main stuff that really, really stood out there. Um, and again, there could be many more things. I, I also want to bring up this one thing where, you know, what? I said before it was like an homage to Hollywood and filmmaking. The filmmaking aspect, again, I feel like there are certain things that tie that. The creature itself, I said, looks like a camera, looks like a shutter and all that. Um, the, the importance of uh, the characters to document this thing and get it on film and get it on camera, how they have to hire this cinematographer, this director to capture it, how he himself dies because he has to get that last shot that money shot, the up close and personal shot. Um, so it's like the art of filmmaking or the, the passion or the desire, whatever. Um, the look of the, the film itself, but the ending credits, how I don't know for me, maybe it's just me, but it felt like a Pantone palette, how it kept like it went from the spectrum of, the, of a Pantone uh, swatch mm -hmm. 
you know, how it started off like extremely bright orange ends into a dark blue by the end of the credits and all that. And for someone who is familiar with editing and filmmaking and color correction and all that, that really stood out for me. Again, that could just be my own takeaway from that, but that's just something that kind of screamed at me there. So that's just my theory, speculation, hidden messages in there. That's my take. But Blake, as our resident speculator, as our, our theor <laughs> as our theorist over here, I'm so looking forward to hearing what you have to say about what are your takeaways from this movie. So I have a lot, and it please, I'm, I'm honestly <laughs> asking, like, interrupt me if you want to add in on anything, because, like, the amount of notes I took on this exact thing, yeah, it's not like, it's not a long, long spiel, it's just like there were so many things in the sure. movie that lend to that meaning, mm. and which any Jordan Peele movie, I remember that was the best fun of Get Out, was going to lunch afterward and going through Easter eggs, and like, oh, this thing meant that. And like, oh, her cereal was separated. The color Fruit Loops from the white milk. Mm -hmm. And like, those kind of things. This movie was full of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the I think you're talking about the the camera looking like the creature. And I sorry if you already mentioned this fact. But like, the opening credits are done over that image. That yep. square mm -hmm. of the character's guts. Yep. So that's obviously important. Yep. The next thing that I recall, and these might be in a slightly different order. I'll, I'll know when I rewatch it, but it shows the quote from the Bible, Nahum 3.6. I will pelt you with filth. I will treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. As if like the punishment would be making someone a spectacle, mm, which yeah. this movie is all about. And I, I still am not quite sure where it lands on being obsessed with capturing things or being obsessed with being captured or recorded, yeah. being a celebrity. In some ways, the monster itself is obsessed with being looked at, but yeah. also that causes violence and then it, it then captures other people. So I'm still not, I think it's almost like a, a, a message of narcissism more than anything, mm -hmm. where being looked at and looking in the eye with in narcissism yourself, mm -hmm. being self-obsessed is so dangerous. So it mainly just feels like, Jordan Peele doing a send up of Hollywood in total, that yeah. whole concept of this, like this Ouroboros of this thing that at every award show every year is just sucking its own dick. Um, <laughs> right. And that criticism of Hollywood, it, it's a takedown of that, in my opinion, more than anything. Yeah. And um, if, I, if, if I may add to that real quick, like, because I, I love that you brought that up. It just made me think about it too, where it's like, if you notice, like in the very beginning, the, the victims of this creature were the horses, right? And if you really think about it, the horses that they were the ones pushing the horses to be on camera, to be kind of the celebrity. Daniel Kuyuluya's character, Kiki Palmer, they were not looking to be celebrities. They weren't really always looking to be on camera and all that. That's why at the end of the movie, they were quote unquote spared. Steven Yuan's character is an actor and he's all about the spotlight and speculate, you know, speculate, you know, the spectacle and all that. And he ends up getting eaten by this creature and all that. And if you notice, everyone who seems to put importance in being on film, being recorded, being in the spotlight, somehow face their demise, right? But those who were not, they're the ones who ended up coming through at the end. So again, it's just something, you know, what uh, very, very close to what you were talking about. For sure, for sure. The so And then the, the very... The main opener, this this might be, I guess it goes opening titles, 
not the opening credits, but the like the monkey's paw, which mm-hmm. we can talk about the animal stuff. That's another example of like the way this all ties into animal um, things. Yeah. Uh, monkey paw, paw Productions. One of the characters named Antlers, the director. The uh, I was looking up the cast. The the one Angel's coworker who works at the Best Buy, not Best Buy place. Is, her name is Nessie, which is mm-hmm. like the Loch Ness monster. Um, <laughs> and then, so when we're talking about the um, and then Gordy being that animal character who's the like the original monster in the timeline of right. this movie, right? Um, that's that scene because we show the full thing, they hint at it, uh, by showing it in the very, very beginning of the movie. We hinted at it later with Steve Yoon's character kind of like blowing off the story or like turning it into like a like an SNL, talking about the SNL skit that was based off of it and how, how it was like, oh yeah, they got it totally right. And then you see the real thing. The Chris Kattan. So yeah. like, that was so good hearing him go off about that. And that's an example yeah. of like the Ouroboros thing of like Hollywood sucking its own dick kind of thing. Of like, yeah. He's excited about the parody of the traumatic thing that happened to him because it was a big story. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's telling that story while in a shrine to his own traumatic ass pass where he saw two one person get mutilated another i assume murdered by his friend slash co-star right creature gordy um i'm not gonna get too deep into this one but i'm sure if anybody wants to go off in the comments with help on this the names feel important to me so i already mentioned nessie and antlers as Mm. names of, of smaller characters gordy um as the as the is it ape orangutan primate i'm not sure but that character um, there. That feels like it might be a shout out to Barry Gordy, the founder of Motown. I'm not gonna like geek out. Too wow, Wikipedia pages. Wow. Hear me out. I got two more for you. Daniel Kaluuya's character's name is OJ Haywood, right? And these are two famous black athletes between Spencer Haywood and OJ Simpson. I'm not sure about the Spencer Haywood thing. I'm not as confident about that one, but OJ Simpson. He's like known as the first black athlete celebrity person who's in all the yeah. commercials. He's doing movies, and that person who's like obsessed with Hollywood. And then Spencer Haywood is on the Showtime Lakers. He's married to Amon, the model who eventually becomes David Bowie's wife, and he's addicted to to drugs. Right, and that's part of his downfall. And in both cases, you might be able to make a case. When they, when I heard that name, I was like, "Is this going to be a drug commentary too?" You can make a case on Hollywood and celebrity as addiction sure. as being part of people's downfall. And then Barry Gordy, you can go into a deep rabbit hole on that dude's wild Wikipedia page. Um, and then I'm also it. not going to go too. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm digging here. I'm not going to go too deep into these, but the chapter names, those are a couple of them of uh, the names I mentioned. Uh, uh, Gordy, Lucky and Clover are part of like the chapter names. The other in uh, Ghost um, and then the other ones uh, were Jean Jacket and then Nope at the beginning which I think was just the movie title but I don't know that that was a chapter title necessarily mm-hmm. um, anyway these things are very important so you mentioned the camera aspect of the, the alien stomach and then the other very beginning scene being Gordy the ape and that childhood TV show aspect being it's obviously important when you start a movie off with that. Right. Yeah. And it's great fucking movie making because that scene was once they finally got around to it, it was, it was wild. Um, 
I think we talked about already the decoys, uh, different ways that they had decoys in it. And, mm-hmm. and that could be a metaphor for acting. Um, the, the way that the alien creature sucks things in and is a power vacuum where literally when it shows up power leaves and Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's taking in some of that power i also wasn't sure if when it became super majestic if it was finally full of what it needed uh and we're also not sure if when it got sick like we know it ate some bad stuff and that the horse messed it up um but that i want to get more into on the rewatch um how it's is is it actually using the power is the power just leaves when it shows up but there's definitely something about celebrity hollywood power and then success self-importance i think these things all relate and then we let's get to the money one i think is um is interesting because you're right that the two main characters are spared and they're not obsessed with being celebrities but they are obsessed with capturing this thing on camera. And that almost gets them sucked up into this vacuum right. themselves. And at some point they're not doing it because they're obsessed with taking pictures of the thing. They're doing it for success. And by success, we're just talking about money. We know that they have money trouble. That's, that's made clear early on. And they're talking about at some point, Kiki Palmer is in the, the best buy, not best buy store talking about, we could get rich and famous. If we get this thing on tape, we're looking for right. the Oprah shot. Mm-hmm. And that idea, the way that we're all in some way obsessed with success and money and need it makes it to where not even these characters are complicit. In Hollywood, they're in the background, but now they're mm-hmm. part of this whole overall system. Um, and they almost get sucked into the thing multiple times. And, right. and they're, and, and in some ways, like there's, there's spectators We'll get to that in a second, though, of like the different ways that the whole Hollywood system is is indicted in this movie. But the other reason why money is important here for the story is the thing rains down nickels and quarters. Yeah. It's obvious that money is part of this whole uh, narrative. And she's even using money at the very end to try to literally capture on film this beast. Um there's something to be said about when they show the coin up close. I know the first time it's a nickel. There are other times where it might be a quarter. I I don't think it goes without, like, I think it's worth mentioning that it's Thomas Jefferson and George Washington on those coins. And at first it's definitely Thomas Jefferson on the nickel. And dude was like, he was a celebrity in American history, like a celebrated figure. It shows his cameo, literally his profile, like his face up, which is like a very Hollywood ass thing. And then we're also can't, can't ignore that Jordan Peele might be making commentary on the fact that like both of these dudes were slave owners, Thomas Jefferson being a rapist slave owner. And like, and, but there's a vanity to, to those images being on those coins, even though in those things themselves aren't pure. Um, So there's definitely some more meaning to be, to be mined there that uh, I know on, rewatch and rewatch rewatch that I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be able to get more into um but between the other than like those like the, i understand that the picture on the side of the coin isn't necessarily the way we think of celebrity nowadays but we definitely talk the next earliest scene that we haven't mentioned yet um of those the bible quote the stomach of the beast that looks like a camera device and the tv show is that 
the movie studio where Daniel Kaluuya's character, um, I guess it's after the dad dies, but Daniel Kaluuya's character showed in the movie studio. So we got movies involved. We got television with Steve Yoon and the mm-hmm. Gordy's home show. Um, they're obsessed with CCTV and at Best Buy, they're buying those machines to try to capture this thing. Phones as recording devices to me, which this one is where it's actually significant. And it feels like the point where Jordan Peele makes it very clear that he's talking about capturing celebrity, fame, legacy, etc. is when the guy that they call TMZ, which I didn't notice that if it yeah. said TMZ necessarily, but the dude is dying, super, super injured. Daniel Kalee is trying to save his life, and the guy's going, no, why don't you have your camera out? Where's my camera? Right. Where's my what? camera? Where's you my camera? Yeah. Like any dumbass fucking who's about to eat Tide Pods on Instagram or is going to try to film themselves doing something yeah. super dangerous on TikTok. And that was like the moment where it was like, okay, Jordan Peele's like, they spent a little, like, there's no way that dude's super injured who's being sucked up by an alien is yelling, like, where's my camera? You got to film this. Why aren't you filming this? But that's where it's very clear. This is an indictment of how now everybody has a camera on them and is obsessed with this concept of celebrity culture and being an overnight internet celebrity. So the internet's indicted. And then we have also got one of my favorite scenes. Also, before you continue, like to add to that too, Again, it just brought it back to my memory. When those fake aliens were in the barn approaching Daniel's character, instead of just fully running away, he runs away a little bit, but far enough away to get out his camera so that he could get a video right. of the alien as it's like trying to peek through the corner there. You know, so right. again, it, it's it's very, very like obvious now that you think about it, you know, how I mean that is our society, right? Like that is like the most, when there was, uh, and I, I don't mean to bring this in a somber note, but here in New York, when there was a shooting on the subways, uh, in a subway car, more, most often than not, the people involved in it were so busy taking video footage instead of running away for their lives because they want yep. to have that moment. They want to have like, I got this on camera. I could maybe become famous for this or blah, 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 blah. That's just our society, you know, and it's it's, you know, it's something that is definitely like a, a black spot for sure. Well, yeah, and I'm the one of the Twilight Zone episodes I was watching today, getting caught up on on Jordan Peele's past stuff was the uh, the one where a white police officer is haunting a black uh, teen and his mom, mm-hmm. and they it saves the day at the end when everyone pulls out their camera to film him, and that's their defense. <laughs> And this movie is kind of doing the exact opposite on the statement, right. like phone cameras and everything right. that it can also lead to your downfall. Um, the only last example I have of this, like of mediums for fame is the live crowd, which you mentioned mm. earlier. And it's one of my favorite scenes for sure <laughs> is Steve Yoon's corny ass alien show, which I'm so glad that Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer's characters were trying to get this thing on film and give it to the media <laughs> yeah. because dude was going to sell what that's that audience wasn't even a third full. There's maybe like 60 honkies who look like they belong in Branson, Missouri yeah. <laughs> who are sitting there like, what the hell did he just say? This is weird. And then they're all watching the spectacle and he's revealing the aliens to a live audience, right. which just makes me think this dude is super super addicted to that live audience that he had back in the day and like trying to make oh, up yeah. for something from his mm-hmm. traumatic ass childhood experience. Oh, yeah. There's gotta be something sad and deep there. But then we get to watch this live audience Steve for the second time in his life. So live audience gets fucked up by a beast. Yeah. And his... <laughs> so I was having a hard time not laughing at a few of those moments. 
That was one where I was like, and then when they talk about the Chris Kattan one, and like, there's a few moments where like it was so messed up and mm-hmm. tragic that I'm like, let me not laugh right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the last thing I'm mentioning about like him trying to sell tickets to a live mm-hmm. crowd to make up for his lack of a TV audience, and then those people get captured literally by the beast. Right. Um, and also, those in are, a way, those are my main, yeah, yeah. I was I was just gonna say. In, in the parallel to that, too, it also reminds me of King Kong. Remember, like, when they captured King Kong and they wanted to make it this big spectacle on Broadway oh, yeah. and all that stuff like that? In Great essence, point. he was trying to do that to a live audience by kind of having the bait, which was the horse, right? Lucky. Um, so that the alien creature can just come over and, you know, everyone can see the alien for the first time, but in a live setting, right? So it, it's so interesting how it kind of parallels that. That's that's a great point. Yeah, we got the Frankenstein. Or I'm, I'm thinking of young Frankenstein, the Frankenstein aspect where they're trying to bring him out for the live audience. <laughs> right, right, that right. That shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the the King Kong one is is a good example. Yeah. Um, I don't. Those are, those are my main notes. I think at the end, like, there's just enough nods where we know Jordan Peele knows what he's doing. So you were talking mm. about the music earlier, the sunglasses yes. at night song when we're talking about yes. not looking at the beast. Um. The other one I, I think has to be mentioned since we're talking about Jordan Peele so much is the film director, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but that dude reminded me a lot of Werner Herzog's Oh, 100%. 100%. Okay. Thank yeah. you. I wasn't sure if that was just me. But you have this super deep director, abstract, creepy, older dude who's obsessed with getting the perfect image. And yeah. he's part of the whole Hollywood problem mm-hmm. in a way, but he's also willing to martyr himself and die at the hands of this creature because he's obsessed with this craft of capturing images. Right. Um, that character being there at all feels like another one of those Jordan Peele being like, I know this is a little bit silly, but hear me out. You, like This is what's bringing the message fully home right. of, of the statement that he's making. Um, so between like all these things, it's very clear. Like this is one of those. I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff I mentioned where I'm going to go mm-hmm. on a website later on in a couple of days, and it'll just be here's the 37 things you missed from the right. movie Nope. And I love going through that stuff. So thank you for indulging me. Oh no, I mean it, again, it's a lot of fun to talk about, and you know Jordan Peele's movies lends to that. You know, so and, and again, if you're listening to this and watching this, I mean. None of these are confirmed, obviously. This is just our this is just our takeaways from it all. I'm sure there's a, like Blake said, so many others, right? So would we would love to hear what your takeaways Please. were. You know, would is there anything to add to what we already mentioned? Um, do you wanna like jump in on some of the things that we talked about? Let us know in the comments and all that. And Jordan Peel, if you're watching this or listening to this if you could at least say yes or no, maybe to some of them, you know, that would be pretty awesome because we, we, we would like to think that we do pay a lot of attention to your movies and yep. uh, we do know what we're talking about. So no, well, let's talk about the music real quick. Cause you did mention uh, sunglasses at night. Again, Jordan Peele has this great, uh, way of turning a popular song and making it creepy because of the situation that it's put in. You mentioned in I Get Out. On it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, first, yeah. no, it's okay. Uh, Get Out, you first have Redbone, right? Which is a Gambino song and all that and how he uses it in that movie and it kind of creates a creepy tone to it. In Us, Got Five on it was used all throughout and they even did a remix for it. 
because in an interview he said like if you hear that song it kind of sounds like a nightmare on elm street kind of song and all that and you know he ain't wrong now he takes this 80s classic song with sunglasses at night but instead of remixing it he just slows it down you know because of the power outage or the lack of power every time this creature is around and that created a very haunting moment, you know, especially during this key moment where they're trying to get away from this thing, you know, and it was just brilliantly used. I, I love how he used that there. Um, but I guess to kind of close out our discussion here on this brilliant movie, what do you think or why do you think the movie was called Nope? You're asking me? Yes, I'm, I'm, I am asking you. I don't have a deeper answer than the two official answers I've heard through okay. Jordan Peele, which is one, N-O-P-E, not of planet Earth, mm-hmm. as an acronym for alien presences. The other one is Jordan Peele was saying in an interview that uh, nope is the sound that a black person would make if they saw an N-O-P-E, <laughs> where they just, which we saw so many times in the movie. Yeah. Uh, again, like we're not going back into the, all the cinematography and editing. There's certain, like those categories. I think it could not get nominated or win Oscars. But there's one mm-hmm. moment in particular. Daniel Kaluuya is very quietly. Th- this movie did such a good job of sound vacuums where everything mm-hmm. goes dead quiet. And he like opening the truck door, looks up, goes back and goes, nope, like that. <laughs> and there's so many times uh, where that word shows up in right. that same kind of context. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have anything beyond those those two. Um, and plus, it's a catchy ass title, just like Get Out sure. and Us. He's really good at those. Like this yeah. would be great at naming bands, also. I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts there? I, I honestly, I don't have any. Like it, it's just one of those things where, again, at the end of the movie, even though things were pretty straightforward for the most part, and then you could have time to speculate and theorize on certain things. The title is one that I could not really figure out. You know, like, like, I get it. It is very true. I have friends who, you know, if they hear something or see something scary, they're like, nope, 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 not nope. not for me, dog. Nope. You know, not today. Like that. Not, yeah, today. not today, not today. No, no, not today, Satan. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So so that in itself is smart, you know, because it's true. It, it's just a phrase that is commonly used. Um, if there is like because, you know, in in us some people spike the speculation there that it's a talk it's kind of the theme is about the United States, you know, America and all that stuff like that. Uh get out, you know, it lends to kind of the thematic stuff that happened throughout that movie. Um do you believe in the theory that Jordan Peele titles his movie so that it could create one sentence? Have you heard of this theory? Wait, what? Get out us nope. What am I missing here? Yeah, so there's a theory going around, and I saw this online, where Jordan Peele titles his movie so that it could formulate a certain sentence. So in this case... Like you'd have to reorder them at some point? Yeah, so like maybe right now it's, you know, maybe uh, nope, get out us or US or something like that. Or nope, US, get out. You know, know, it's just... There are a lot of people who are really floating around with this theory, and you know he he's neither confirmed nor denied it. So I'm trying to think of like N O P E could be reframed into open O P E N if you just like put the one letter at the end or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like 
I feel like his movies, there were some things in after Get Out where people were going wild with these sure. theories and everything. And then sure. he's like, no, that one was actually an accident. We didn't even mean to do that one. It's just like, <laughs> we noticed it in the editing and then we're like, oh, right. okay, we'll leave that, I guess. Oops. And right. then y'all had some theory based on it. So yeah. that feels like one of those. But sure, now that I'm sure dude's aware of it. And now 10 years from now, we might be able to say, oh yeah, what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it's always great and fun to think about. And it's always fun to theorize and speculate and, and all that stuff. One day, Perhaps he will let us know what the true meaning and answers are to everything is. But I think that's also the appeal of him and his movies and his creativity is that he lends it so that we can kind of speculate on our own. And, you know, if we get it, we get it. If we don't, we don't. Uh, but I think that's what's making him a really brilliant storyteller right now. And again, after seeing this movie, I am so looking forward and excited to see what he has cooking next because... It's oh, yeah. just it's just been elevating and elevating and elevating. And if you haven't had the chance and given a shot at the Twilight Zone, I think one of the reasons why it's not doing so well is because it's it is on Apple TV and not a lot of people have bought into Apple TV really. Um if it was on a Netflix or maybe Amazon, I think more people would I be able it. to like watch it. I got it on Paramount Plus and that's how I was binging it. Is it on today. Paramount there's Plus? Some, there's also some free app uh, okay. Pluto something which I, I need to check out but Paramount Plus was the one where I got it oh you um, know what you're like, right it used yeah. to be CBS yes and it was you're hard right to get because when CBS went they closed off that's right and you had to have yeah. this dumb CBS app now that it's Paramount Plus I actually like that that's app right. a decent amount yeah so glad that I maybe borrowed my friend's password for that one don't oh don't say that don't say that online <laughs> don't say that online um just start cracking Vindo down on you five dollars <laughs> make 10 comments and i'll give you the password nope there you go there nope uh but again we enjoy talking about this movie hopefully you enjoyed listening and watching um, again, we would love to hear your thoughts about the movie. Let us know your theories. Let us know what themes you took away from this movie. Let us know which performances and moments you enjoyed the most. But this pretty much ends our episode of Movie Time this week. Before we go, as always, Blake, where can people find you online? Go to Letterboxd, where I have an account, Blake Wolf SSN, and you'll see where I gave the film Nope five stars. Nice, very nice. And do you have an updated count for us by any chance as to... Uh, I, have, I have not checked lately. <laughs> um, I'm just really curious. Wait. But maybe we could reveal that in the next episode. So, yes. uh, yeah. But yeah, definitely do follow Blake. He has some interesting and fun movie lists there for sure. So it's definitely not a boring follow whatsoever. As for myself, you see all the handles up there on the screen. Loki Geek. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I might be doing more stuff on TikTok. Let's see. I don't know yet. Um, but definitely also on YouTube and on podcast platforms. So like I said before, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Those are the easiest ways to show your support and love for this show and for the channel. doesn't cost you a thing. Audio listeners, podcast, Loki Geek up on there this episode plus so much more leave a great rating and do if it's if you were brought to that um channel or this channel because of this particular episode leave a comment just say nope just say nope 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 nope, nope. nope. 
because that would be the best and funniest thing. We would definitely get a huge crack of that uh, for sure. We'd get a huge <laughs> laugh out of it. But that being said, I'm Renee. This is Blake. This has been Movie Time. See you all next week. Stay cool, stay classy, stay safe. Peace out, y'all. Nope.